Hey, good evening everyone. Welcome to our weekly Dhamma broadcast. Is it just me or is that out of focus? There we go. So tonight I thought I would talk about well suffering. Everyone's favorite topic. But I want to talk about suffering because I think the the word and the topic which it describes from a Buddhist perspective, is a great way to understand Buddhism, to help us to put everything together, put all the different pieces of Buddhism together. So suffering, I think, is often a topic that we don't want to focus on. Maybe not the first thing we think of when we think of spiritual practice. But that's usually because spiritual practice is something we see as the opposite. Spiritual practice should be joyful, peaceful, should be happy. And all of those things are really the opposite of suffering. We get into spirituality really because of suffering because a desire for the op because of a desire for the opposite right many people do get into spirituality because they're suffering horribly they're looking for a way out or for many of us there's just a sense that something's wrong life isn't terrible my situation isn't horrible, but there's something missing. I don't really know what. Something's wrong. And that's related to suffering as well. There, there are many, for many of us, we, we don't know that we're suffering. We don't know that there's, some, there's, possible, there's a possibility for something better. We think this is as good as it gets. And so we're content with suffering. No, not content, but we are um, resigned to it. To resign to our discontent. For other people, they're, they're not clear about this. They don't think they're suffering. But these are often the people who need teachings on suffering the most because they're causing suffering in others. They're cultivating addiction. They're setting themselves up for great suffering, some, some people. Suffering is an important topic. It really is the, it's a problem-based approach, right? You find out what the problem is and you Try and solve it. 
that's sort of how the Buddha looked at it. But much has been said on this, and I'm, I'm going to try to um, not, not focus solely on suffering, but use it as a means of understanding something deeper about Buddhism. And I think there is something deeper than just saying there is suffering. Let's get rid of it. It's much deeper than that, in fact. And that will help us understand Buddhism, is what I say. So the Buddha's description of suffering, he starts off quite simply talking about things that are suffering. Birth, he says, is suffering. He starts at birth, I guess, because it's just the first in the, or in the order. It's not the first thing that comes to mind for most of us. What is suffering? Birth. Well, not really. But in the larger scheme of things, it makes sense. Uh, but moving on, we have ones we can certainly agree on. Old age is suffering, right? When you get old, not just growing old, it means like becoming decrepit. That's stressful, that's suffering. Bad. Death, death certainly, yes. For many of us, death is, is clearly understood to be suffering. Sickness is suffering. Uh, pain is suffering, right? Sorrow, lamentation, despair, these are all suffering. These are straightforward suffering. These ones no one can deny. Yes, they're, they're a part of reality. I mean, it's an important question. Why do these things exist? And given that these things do exist and may very well exist for us, may very well, will most certainly exist for us at some point or another. What are we going to do about it? And if we do do something about it, isn't that going to solve every problem? If we can get rid of all suffering, wouldn't that be the solution to life? Do we really have to worry about being happy if there's no suffering? This is why problem-based approaches are, are useful. If you eliminate the problem, there's no problem. There's no need to look for a solution. And there's no need to avoid life. If the pain and suffering of this world, you know, you walk outside, the world doesn't seem to be in, doesn't seem to be stressful. It seems quite peaceful. What's wrong? What's the problem? Why is it that we're not? happy all the time, peaceful all the time. Something's wrong. We can get rid of that. Good. But then he goes deeper and he points out that it's not really these experiences that are suffering. When we say it, it's suffering is, is you know, physical pain, that's suffering. Well, but is it really? Can you not have physical pain without suffering from it? That's quite dreadful to think, isn't it? If that's the case, well, we're, the only way to, to not suffer is to kill yourself or to die. Because otherwise there's always going to be physical suffering.
Um, so he he points out that it's the the fact that we we get what we don't want, and that we don't get what we want. It's really the not getting what you want, the wanting and the getting not the same thing want this get that don't want this get this no I want this get this um, don't want this get this right not wanting X getting X it's not it's not right there that's the problem in all these things, it's not the experience because it's it turns out to be quite arbitrary. The same pain experienced by one person quite comfortably and at peace will be quite unpleasant for another. No one sees this, I think, more clearly than during meditation. So many things that we normally wouldn't be able to bear with, we realize, wow, you know, there's nothing wrong with that experience. That experience really isn't stressful, isn't painful, isn't suffering. Sounds, smells, tastes, feelings. You think heat, heat is unbearable, heat is hard to endure. But you meditate and you think, well, what's so hard to endure about it? Heat is heat. So you realize, oh, wait. It's the aspect of not getting what we want, getting what we don't want. That's, that's where suffering lies. So he, he states that, and it's a different kind of suffering. It's a different way of looking at it. It says that the experience isn't the important thing. The important thing is that the experience is one that is not wanted. It's the experience is one we, we cannot endure. That's the second aspect of the teaching, but he goes further. And this is really what I want to talk about tonight. The last thing he says on suffering in the canonical description of suffering is Sankitena Panchupadana Gandha Dukkha. Sankitena in brief, or to sum it all up, or to put a fine point on it. Panchupadana Kandha. The five Kandhas. The five Kandhas of Upadana are suffering. It's hard to translate that because it's very terse. In Pali, they can shorten everything to a couple of words. 
and let the context uh, explain what is being said. In English, we have all these little words that, that help us to uh, understand exactly. You could criticize the language and Pali language and say it's not articulate enough. But um, and there are benefits to it as well. English, we, we often are very specific, and we can be, because we have many different little words that help us. But upadana kanta just means clinging, uh, clinging aggregate, plural. Clinging kandas, or kandas actually doesn't really mean aggregate, it means heap or, or you know, big mass. That's a kanda. The five of them. Five masses of, of or related to. These are the words that are missing that we don't we don't clearly see. And I don't think it's the five aggregates of clinging because it's deeper than that. I would rather use something like related to. The five kandas, for lack of a good translation, the five kandas of, of clinging. And what this says, what it's saying is that anything, anything related to clinging is going to be related to suffering. That's basically what it's saying. To sum it up, or in brief, to put a fine point on it, it's this clinging thing that's the problem. Now that's not something uh, you know, revolutionary. That should be something quite familiar in Buddhism. I mean, it is a revolutionary thing and it is an important teaching, but it's something I talk a lot about. So briefly, go over it again. It's not our experiences that cause us suffering, it's our reactions to them. Suffering doesn't come because we have physical pain, it comes because we don't like the physical pain. That's a kind of a clinging. We're not able to f go with the flow, right? And this is experience, we get hung up on it. It's like, I remember once when I was, uh, when I was young, um, <laughs> stupid kids, right? We were, I was at a mall and I was, I grew up in the countryside, so we didn't often go to malls and it was, there was an escalator and like escalators were kind of cool. I mean, we don't have escalators where I grew up. I grew up on an island, a big island. I don't think there's, pretty sure there was never, there still is no escalator on the entire island. I haven't been back in a while. And uh, so I thought it would be fun to try and stop the escalator. And I, I pushed it. And I, I used my arm and I just, and I gave myself tendonitis. And to this day, I think I still have a, an elbow problem. 
That kind of thing, right? And that's where you get try to stop something and, and you get you just create friction and suffering as a result. But what's more interesting here or interesting tonight is what is this everything? Hey, what are these five things? Wait a minute. You skipped over an important part. And no, I, I'm, I'm coming to it. This is the suffering part. Suffering is something very important. In fact, it's most important. The Buddha said, uh, this, this is the, it's the first noble truth. And he said it's to be fully understood. What are we supposed to do about suffering? And this is something I've said many times pointed out many times and you have to point it out because even as buddhists we ignore this part i ask people as an audience sometimes what's the first noble truth often they'll say life is suffering and no 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 life life is suffering is not the first noble truth no matter what there's this really good book called what the buddha taught but he makes a cardinal mistake in it, and I can't forgive him for it. He says that life is suffering. I'm pretty sure. Yes, it's that book. He says life is suffering. And so anyone who knows a little bit about Buddhism, knows, well, that's the first noble truth. That's not what it says. It's an important distinction because it's a very bad way of teaching. You don't get anywhere by telling someone, okay, Life is suffering, that's the basis of our that's the basis of our religious practice. No, the first noble truth is that it's suffering. Suffering, period. No qualifier, no this is suffering, that is suffering. Suffering is the first noble truth. And it's the noble truth for this reason, because it's the problem. I mean, we're not focusing on suffering because we want to suffer. I mean, no one, that's a ridiculous accusation if anyone were to level it. If I say, okay, let's talk about suffering. Do you really think it's because I want us all to suffer? No. Clearly, I'm a problem. That means I'm a problem uh, approach based sort of person, problem based approach sort of person. And I want to tackle this problem because the definition of suffering. If it's not something that you don't want, if it's not something that is not undesirable, then it can't be called suffering. I think it's pretty much tied up in the definition. This was the first noble truth. And he said, Parinyaya. It should be, nyaya just means known, should be known. Pari, pari is like parinibbana, pari means all around, it means all-encompassing, fully. Parinyaya means it should be fully known, fully understood. That's what we should do about suffering. That's an important point. I mean, before we go on to what I really want to talk about, and this is all a part of it, it's an important part of it.
is that it's not about running away. And then again, I've talked about this before on other occasions. The way out of suffering is not to try and fix the problem. It's to understand the problem. And this gets into the idea about um, well, the, the, the other part of this equation, the five aggregates, the five things. Because it says that of any given experience, let's say going to the dentist, of going to the dentist, our problem is not that we have to go to the dentist. Our problem is that there are certain aspects of that experience, of that event, certain experiences that are a part of that event that are unacceptable to us, that we react to. And that's an important distinction because it says those experiences aren't suffering either. Those ex experiences aren't able to cause us stress or suffering. But we ourselves react in such a way with a view, and it's, it's not a very clear view, but often it's a knee-jerk reaction, with a view to finding happiness, freedom from suffering, freedom from that suffering. And we're just horrible at it. Our ways of reacting to things are just horribly unskillful. So someone says something you don't like, you yell at them, you get angry. What purpose did that serve? Did that solve your problem? Was that a solution to the problem? You stub your foot on the table, you kick the table, yell at the table. Good solution, way to go, right? No, no, not a good solution. didn't solve your problem made it worse we do something wrong sometimes well oftentimes we our solution is to do something that actually makes it worse And so the real problem, this is a claim, and it's an important claim, is that we don't understand what we're doing to ourselves. We don't understand suffering. We don't see that, hey, wrong, bad, suffering. And we get angry and we don't think, yeah, this is making me suffer. Maybe we do intellectually, and often we do as Buddhists intellectually think, oh yes, anger, that's just going to cause me more suffering, but we see how messed up we are, 
and how deep down our gut reaction is, yes, this is the solution. This is the way to find peace, happiness, and freedom from suffering. I'll, I'll freak out over it. I'll react violently to it. It's just absurd, right? It's, 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 it's harmful. It has the opposite reaction. The opposite outcome. We don't understand suffering. The things that we cling to as satisfying are not satisfying. The things that we cling to as the problem are not the problem. We don't understand suffering. That's very important. I mean, this is this this part of the equation is. I mean, this is it. This is Buddhism. So I think what I could say then is there's these two sides that we really have to bring together. So this is the first side, the suffering side. The suffering part of, it's not an equation, but part of the statement. But there's the other part of the statement. And it has to do with understanding. It's the, link, the link here is the understanding. Well, okay, wise guy. If you say, I don't understand suffering, tell me, what is suffering? Tell me how I can understand suffering. And so... This is, this is why Buddhism is complicated and, and, and hard to understand. If you don't have this kind of putting things together, it can be quite confusing because suddenly the Buddha is off talking about non-self, right? Another very big part of Buddhism. And I think for this talk, it's an important point. What the heck does that have to do with suffering, right? And so we try to under, not understand non-self. We try to understand impermanence you know, how, how do these relate and so we intellectually we sometimes get an understanding like oh yes I try to control things that I can't control right that's suffering but there's an important there's another important aspect that links everything together helps us understand not just intellectually but helps us really affect this kind of change and that's experience. Changing the way we look at things. Non-self, why I bring it up, is because it doesn't just mean that things aren't under your control. It doesn't just mean that you don't have a soul. That we don't have souls. That we don't have egos. We're not snowflakes after all. We are just experiences, but but that reality has nothing to do with entities, beings, uh, souls. So the idea of a soul is something atomic, something unbreakable, indivisible, indivisible. The idea of things is the same, the very same idea. You know, if you look at this and you say, hey, this is a, this is a person. That's an idea that comes up in your mind. I mean, that's, that's the concept of a being. Right? This, my Abhidhamma teacher said, what is this? Well, it's a fist. So that fist is a thing, right? 
Now watch. Where did the fist go? Is it real? Was the fist real? Fist, no fist. Here, gone. This is, and another funny thing about it is this is atta, this is self, and this is the five aggregates, right? What's, what's behind the self is just the five aggregates. But what I, what's on my agenda to do, because many people have heard of the five aggregates, is to differentiate here, because if this is the self, the five aggregates are not simply dividing it up into five things. Five aggregates are something completely different from a self. Categorically different. They're a different kind of thing. Let's understand that. The, the, and I've talked about it. This is my explanation of it. So I'm not getting this from the suttas. I'm getting it from my readings and what's been passed on to me. And this is my way of explaining what are they talking about? Maybe this helps. The way we look at things, the way we look at reality. Yes, here we are sitting in this room. There's the room, there's us, there's things, there's distances and so on. Spatial reality. And, and that's one way of looking at, of, of approaching, of seeing reality so i put it to you that that's not the buddhist way of looking at reality that reality is the reality of self and there's a lot of problems that come from that 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 involves our understanding of suffering you made me suffer the dentist made me suffer this situation these things and our approach to suffering is to get away from people. This person's making suffering, get away. Dentists make me suffering, don't go to the dentist. When the reality is quite different, it's not this person that's making us suffer, it's the experiences. This experience particularly, out of all the many experiences, this one here, because I react to that one, I get upset about that one. That's the jumping off point. Suppose I see someone, well, seeing them isn't suffering, right? Stressful. But then I remember what they did to me. That person hit me before. So that person called me a nasty name. That moment where I remember that is a jumping off point. I react to that badly. I get angry. There you go. That's where suffering comes from. I reacted to that memory. It really had nothing to do with the person, except, incidentally, they were the trigger. And so this is a very different way of looking at, at reality, experiences. This one, this one, this one, this one, this one. And this is why we see, I'm not making this up, you read the Buddha's suttas, this is why we see Okay, suffering, suffering, suffering. Why is he suddenly talking about the six senses? Why is he breaking it up, breaking self up into five things? What is this talking about? 
This is how, this is the means by which you come to understand reality and thereby suffering. Because suffering is in reality. It's like you're driving down this, the car, the street, and suddenly your car stops working. And you say, the car stopped working. And the mechanic, you tell the mechanic, my car stopped working. The mechanic knows it's, it's, it's just a very poor way of describing the situation. It's true, right? Going to the dentist is suffering. is true for most people in the same way that the car broke down. But the mechanic will tell you that's not really the case. To say that the car broke down is just horribly uh, insufficient. What we have to say is that the carburetor flooded or whatever. I know nothing about cars. That the carburetor flooded. I've heard that before, right? Carburetors are things, round things, I think, and they flood. Or they used to when I was young. Um, so he'll tell you that. He'll tell you that, yes, there's, and he can explain, even the carburetor flooded is just an expression. He can explain the mechanics, probably wouldn't bother, and just say, your carburetor's flooded, I'll fix it. But a good mechanic should know, what does it mean to say carburetor flooded? And that's the mechanics behind going to the dentist or any kind of unpleasant experience. Is that it's the moments. And the real problem is this, 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 and this. And if you see that, then you, you, you're on the way to solving the problem, right? Because in, in reality, in, in our lives, Our, our responses to things are, are based on our state of mind at that moment, are based on our outlook and our inclination. I react violently to pain because I'm inclined to react violently to pain. If I were inclined to experience pain peacefully, then I won't suffer from it. And so by understanding suffering, by understanding what's going on here, ah oh, yes, reacting in that way, that makes me suffer. That's stress. Like take anxiety, for example. We think I get anxious about this and, and wow, that's a big problem. But break it down, observe it, meditate on it. And you'll, you'll see, you'll be so overwhelmed by how stressful it is to get anxious that you'll just not want to get anxious anymore. It sounds stupid, it sounds simple, but it's true. If you're mindful, anxious, anxious, you, you start to say, why, get, why am I getting anxious again? What, what purpose does this serve? It's like there's, we know there's no purpose, but we just haven't deeply understood it. And so another way of describing what it means to understand suffering, it just means to, to, to see deeper, to see clearer, 
Because it's not even so much that we have a wrong understanding, it's that we have no understanding. We have no idea about the car. We have no idea that uh, you have to put in the clutch. Right? If someone drives standard for the first time, and they turn on the car and it goes right something i can't remember i used to drive we just have no clue and so we suffer so learn about the car and learn how to push in the clutch put it in gear slowly clutch gas if i remember correctly You know, learn how the system works. But first you have to understand the system. And so this is where we get into the five aggregates. So the Buddha here is not only saying that suffering is related to clinging, but he's saying it's related to clinging to experience, not things. It's not proper to say, yes, I cling to food and so food is a cause for stress for me. When I don't get the food I want, I'm dissatisfied. I cling to people, so when I see this person, I get very angry. No, it's not the people, it's not the places, it's not the things, it's not the souls or the selves or the entities. It's the experiences, which is the five aggregates. A five aggregates, a five aggregate thing is an experience. Each experience we have is made up of five parts. There's the physical aspect to it. There's the uh, feeling, uh, the sensual aspect to it, I guess is the word to use. Meaning it's pleasurable, it's painful, it's neutral. There's the perception of it, or that's probably not the right word, but the recognition of it, the the processing of it, like, oh yeah, that's a person. That's red, that's yellow, that's white. The, the you know, the, the recognition and processing, neutral, still neutral processing of the experience. And then there's the reacting to it. It's good, it's bad, it's me, it's mine, it's tall, it's short. Well, maybe not tall, short, but the liking, disliking and stuff. Most important is that part. And then there's the, the fifth one. There's the, the experience of all this. The, the fact that we're aware of this. You know, this is not a brain doing things. It's the problem that physicalists have with I mean they seem to really fudge things and can't answer the hard problem which is consciousness or what what is consciousness I mean this is the most important part it's not a robot these things aren't happening to robots if you program a robot to to react to suffering the robot's not feeling pain I mean, theoretically, it's possible for a consciousness to arise. Um, you know, if you build a complex enough machine for, for a consciousness to then 
uh, get caught up in it. Uh, I want to radically say is theoretically possible, but it, it would have to be it would have to be you know really on the level of a human being, a human fetus, for a mind to actually become caught up in it and react to and, and be able to experience in, in conjunction with it. But the point is, it's it's still a consciousness. Without consciousness, you don't have any of this. So that's the five. And that's what we're doing here. That's what, what we're focusing on. That's, that's what our activity should be in a meditation practice. More, 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 more uh, clearly, that's what you're going to see when you meditate. And and so this is kind of a support for new meditators, because when you come to meditate, it's going to look very unfamiliar. And you're going to rely, try to rely on past paradigms, ways of looking at reality, and it's just not going to. It's just not going to fit the facts. Because when you meditate, all you have are experiences. It seems nothing like real life. Right? Real life is full of people, places, and things. Meditation is just full of experience. Until you start to see that, ah, wait. Isn't my daily life full of all those experiences as well? Well, duh, there's really no difference. All that's happening, everything that happens to me during meditation happens to me as well during my daily life. And there's no difference. The difference is the way we look at things. In our life, we very rarely stop to think about, what am I experiencing now? That's why therapists will always ask you, how do you feel? They're very clever, and they've picked up a lot from Buddhism. I would, I would like to... Uh, proudly assert well not proudly but if I were sub, if I were a sort of proud sort of person maybe I would how are you feeling wait a minute wait a minute stop talking about the situation how does it how do you, how did it make you feel right this cliche question how does that make you feel it's probably one that therapists don't use anymore because it's so cliche, but it really is the essence of it. This experience wasn't important. You can sit here and tell me all day about what happened and explain all your... I get that sometimes. Meditators will want to explain to me things that happened to them. It's not really important. You can. I mean, I don't mind. But what is, all that's important is your reactions to it and understanding the experience of it. How did that process work? And finding out what went wrong. Experience wasn't wrong. Experiences are just experiences. What went wrong is how you interacted with it, how you dealt with it. And so that, I think, is a good way of... It's a, it's a good sort of framework. These things I've been talking about, I mean, I don't know... Um, wasn't trying to describe what is Buddha, say what is Buddhism, but trying to give some sort of a framework. What are we talking about when we say Buddhism, Buddhism? What are we talking about? 
We're talking about these things, really suffering, uh, but experience, the experience of suffering and the suffering that comes from experience or in, involved with experience. That's the Dhamma for tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a good night.